Well, isn't it just great to be back together? I am so enjoying the fact that we are online, but we're also in the room, and we're delighted that you're joining with us from all around the world. We've even got some outside. Wave to those outside. It's great to, to have them on the grass outside, worshipping Jesus as well. And um, let me just say this. We are praying for you, wherever you are. In fact, before our meeting today, we've had prayer, and we're, we're praying that you will know the life-changing presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, we're not just into religious gatherings. God deliver us from that. God deliver us from that. We are into encounters with the living God, and the Holy Spirit is here, and he's where you are too. If you're looking in online, he's with you. And he wants to bless you. And so our prayer is that you will really encounter his presence today. Well, we are continuing our series, uh, Living on a Prayer, where we're learning before the Lord to grow in intimacy, in greater authority and greater power as we ask Jesus to teach us to pray. By the way, that's a great prayer of itself. Teach us to pray. And what we're learning is that prayer is the most vital part of worship to Jesus. Because you see, it's from that place that everything else is birthed. Everything else is empowered and fulfilled. And as a result of that, that's life-changing. And it's also life-giving. And so I, I don't know whether you've got into the prayer course that we've been doing alongside this. It's been wonderful to do that. And uh, let me encourage you, if you haven't done it, it's still not too late to, to look at those things and to get into this. But it's been great. We've had such fun doing it. Today, we come to another expression of prayer, which is called confession. And um, when I say that, it, it perhaps sounds a little bit monkish, doesn't it? Or that you sometimes have to join some kind of religious order. And maybe you're looking at Richard and thinking, well, you've got the hairstyle, Rich. You really have got the hairstyle. Maybe that's what um, it needs to be. But seriously, no. Simply put, confession is taking time each day to confess our sins to God so that we might know the freedom and transformation that his forgiveness brings into our life. I'm going to say that again. It's taking time each day to confess our sins to God so that we might know the freedom and transformation that his forgiveness brings into our lives. This is a deal breaker, guys. This really is. This is what changes us. So we're going to read a couple of passages from the Bible, one from the Lord's Prayer a little bit later on, just a familiar verse from the Lord's Prayer, but first of all from Psalm 32, and I'm going to read from verses 1 to 7, and it's called a Psalm of David in the Bible that I have, and it says this, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. 
When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Hallelujah. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. Isn't that an amazing psalm? Don't you think so? And then just one verse from the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, verse 12. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Actually, in Matthew, it says, forgive us our debts. Luke's version says, forgive us our sins. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So, forgive us our sins. Do you know, I still remember the joy and the relief that came the first night in 1983 when I confessed that I needed Jesus and I confessed that I'd sinned against him through disobeying his ways and living as though he didn't exist because that's what I was doing. As I asked Jesus to come and be the Lord of my life and, and to save me by his work of dying on the cross and being raised to life again in victory, all the stuff that we've been singing about this morning, peace just came into my heart. I am telling you, I just knew something that I'd never experienced before. It was the peace and the joy of God. And at that moment, eternal life entered into my body, entered into who I was. And I still remember that day. I still feel the experience of that day. It wasn't just that it was a good feeling. It changed everything. Because that is what forgiveness brings. It brings absolute freedom and joy and peace. There's this bit of the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins, do you know, is actually the foundation of all the other bits of the prayer. Because you see, forgiveness is a bottom line thing for us as God's people. It's the way that we're saved. It's the route we all have to come if we're to know life. And it's the way that we continue to live this side of heaven all the way to glory. One thing I can guarantee, we're all going to need forgiveness this week. And we're all going to have to give forgiveness this week. I can guarantee that in some shape or form. Confessing our sin and acknowledging our wrongs is a gateway through which we become more like Jesus in our character and in our actions. I don't know whether that's a prayer that you pray. Do you pray, Lord, I want to be like you. Make me like you. I don't just want to kind of, you know, look a little bit religious. I want to be like you, Jesus. 
I want my character to be as your character. I want my actions to flow from your heart and from what you've done. Quite simply, confession brings healing. It brings freedom. It brings blessing. But it actually does something else quite amazing. It brings reconciliation and restoration into relationships and communities all around us. Forgiveness is the life-giving air of heaven itself. We get to release it on the earth. When we become followers of Jesus, church, this is what we get to do. We get to be those that just dispense this in abundance. But am I the only one that feels that when I think about this, it's also one of the hardest lines to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Who wouldn't, after all, want a Father in Heaven who loves us unconditionally, our Father in Heaven? Who wouldn't want to be blessed and transformed by God's kingdom coming on earth? We want to see miracle signs and wonders breaking in, don't we? we I hope you do. I hope that's not something that you're kind of sitting back thinking, oh, you know, I'm not sure I want that. We want that. We want the power of Jesus to come that way. Who doesn't want to have the fresh bread of heaven? Give us this day our daily bread. Who doesn't want that? But forgive us our sins? You see, that means, doesn't it, that I have to swallow pride and acknowledge something. I have to acknowledge I was wrong. I messed up. I missed the mark of God's standards and ways. Wow. Actually, that's quite a big thing. That's not cheap. And if we make it cheap, we've missed who God is and we've missed what sin is. It's a big offence to the living God. It separates us. And you know, I don't know whether it's just an observation that I'm having at the moment. I think it's probably been there all the way through. But our world right now doesn't like being told what is right and wrong. Have you noticed this? People want to determine for themselves what ways are good and bad. What lifestyle choices are acceptable or not. But you know, when we come face to face with Jesus and his word, we're confronted with his lordship. We're confronted that he's king, he's God. And you know, this isn't just one way amongst many ways. That's what many would, ah, oh, Jesus, well, one way amongst many ways. No, no, no. He's the way. He's, he's the, the life. He's the truth. And just as Jesus is the only way to know true life and forgiveness, we have to come and yield to him. I love this. I, I think I can say this, and some of you will correct me if I'm not. He is the ultimate absolute. I think that's okay to say. We have to yield. Now, what about you? What about you watching in this morning? Where are you before Jesus? Quite seriously, you in the room, where are you before Jesus? Have you truly surrendered or yielded to him? Have you? I don't mean, have you been dipping your toes in? I mean, have you given it all? 
Have you yielded to this God who is the ultimate absolute? You can take that first step right now. Those of you watching in, you can take that step right now. This is your day for you to yield to him. This is outrageous good news. It's the gospel. That's why it's called good news. Because you see, it doesn't matter what you have said or done, what you've thought about saying or doing, where you've been or who you've been with, there is more grace in Jesus than there is sin in you. Did you get that, church? Or am I the only one that's excited by that fact? There is more grace in Jesus than there is sin in you. (laughs) That is an amazing truth. I think you've got used to sitting in your chairs at home, haven't you? That's the thing. Ask and you will receive. That's the truth. It's wonderful. And you cannot be too bad, too broken, or even too boring to receive God's unconditional love. You can only be too proud to acknowledge how desperately you need it. Pride's a killer. It really is. You see, if you take one step towards the Father, he'll come running towards you. And in the words of Pete Gregg, whose uh, prayer course we've been using, if you splutter that unconvincing apology before him, he will hug you silent. I want the Father to hug you silent right now. You come with all your excuses, all your apologies, and do you know what? He just holds you. He hugs you silent. You see, if you pray those 12 words from the heart, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, he will do it. But pride must yield. We must acknowledge his ways as the right ways. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to put down, yeah, we've got questions. There might be many things, you know, this book has lots of things that we get and there's lots of things that we don't always get. But you know what? It's about the ultimate absolute. And we trust him and it's the word of God. The Apostle John puts it this way, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But maybe another question comes at this point, so just bear with me as we just take a little bit of a, not much of a detour, but a little detour. Some will ask, well, why do we need to keep confessing our sin if we've already been saved by Jesus. Because, you know, we come to him, don't we? What I did in 1983, and I'm sure many of you uh, looking online, many of you in the room right now have done that. So why is it that we need to keep coming daily and confessing our sin if we're already saved from our past, present, and future sin? Have you ever thought about that? Has that been a question that you've ever kind of had come to mind? Well, I think... Jesus sort of taught about this, not directly, but indirectly, when he was at the Last Supper with his disciples. And he got down on his knees and he washed his disciples' feet. Do you remember that story? Some of you will 
Read it in John 13 if you haven't had time to do it before. And he comes to Peter. Peter, love Peter. And he's about to wash Peter's feet. And Peter says, no, Lord, you're never going to wash my feet. And, and Jesus says, Peter, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. And then Peter goes from the sublime to the ridiculous. And it's, okay, then, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands, my head, whatever. Come on, bring it on. And Jesus said, anyone that's had a bath only needs to wash their feet because they're clean. And you see, the picture is this, that as those disciples walked on the dirty roads, they would be horrible, you know, open-toed sandals, all that sort of stuff. Not the most attractive kind of thing, is it? But walking through the muck, it gets to your feet. And it's kind of a picture of how, although we're clean, as we walk through the sin-sick world in which we live, and we, we encounter all the stuff of the enemy. We count the temptation. We, we know what it is to, to feel lust and to feel anger that it's wrong and all the stuff that's come in our hearts over the years. Even though we've been, we've been delivered from that, we still let it come on us. It still intoxicates us and it makes us poisonous in some ways because it's on us. And Jesus says you need to wash your feet. And that's what confession is. It's daily washing your feet and allowing the dirt that is all around us to be washed off. Confession is a grace and a discipline that keeps us going and growing with Jesus. How? Well, I've already said, make space every day, just to, just to have some time with your father and say, Lord, I want to be clean from the stuff that I've picked up today. Actually, Pete Gregg in his book, How to Pray, talks about the prayer of examine or the prayer of examination. And it's making space under the spotlight of the Holy Spirit. So we welcome the Holy Spirit. This is not something, this is not like navel gazing, all right? It's not like kind of going through the diary and just thinking, oh, what did I do today? It's allowing the Holy Spirit to, to kind of come into our day and, and just put his spotlight on the things that, that are perhaps not where they should be. Or at the same time, to celebrate the things that he's done in our lives. It's not just about the bad things, you know. It's about celebrating his presence with us. And he talks about replay, rejoice, repent and reboot. Now, we're not going to go into all of those things now, but it's, it's just taking time to replay the events of the day, to rejoice in the goodness and the great things that God has done, to repent of the things that you know you've messed up in, and then to reboot. It's almost like fresh start. What I love about Jesus is that every day is a fresh page to start again. Don't you love that? That's what we get to do with confession. Second thing, not just about making space, it's also about keeping short accounts. You know, as soon as we're aware of something, as soon as we are brought under that conviction, when we're living by the Holy Spirit, that's why he's given to us. He guides us. And I tell you what, if you, if, you, if you learn when he's with you, you will know there are times when you're doing stuff that's not in the right place. 
When you've said something, when you've thought something, when something happens and your response has been pretty rubbish, really. You know that when the Spirit speaks to you. And God says in that moment, just, just come and confess it. Just bring it to me. Let it just be washed off you. I don't know whether you have places where God really tests you and, and, and sort of takes you on the journey of maturity. For me, driving the car is definitely one of those ways. I'm always confronted by my sinful habits and ungodly attitudes when I'm driving. Am I the only one? Well, okay, I'm, I'm confessing, all right? I'm... But I remember many years ago, driving to the supermarket with Alice, my daughter, who was at the time just five or six, and she was in the back of the car, and um, a driver really badly cut me up, came on the outside, cut me up, and then after about 20 yards, stopped to turn right. And of course, I had to slam the anchors on. And usual reaction, there was no, no hand signals, I have to say. All right, no hand signals. And it was all fairly reasonable what I had to say, but it was the, on the you know, you speak in horn at that point. And I said, you stupid idiot. Drove on, thought nothing of it. About two weeks later, I was driving in the car with the whole family. And surprise, surprise, the horn got bibbed again at somebody else or something else. I can't remember what it was. And Alice in the back, was that another stupid idiot, Daddy? <laughs> I tell you what, in that moment, I was utterly, utterly cut to the heart. And you know, when I, I got home, I just sat down with my, my six-year-old daughter and I said to her, you know, Alice, I messed up. Daddy messed up. And I need to ask Jesus and I need to ask you to forgive me. Because I, did, I said words that I shouldn't have said. I let anger get the better. And, I, and you know what? She hugged me. And it was almost like I felt God's hug in that moment. Can you see how liberating this can become when we keep short accounts? And that leads me to the, the, the third thing about this bit. And that is, we need to confess sins to one another. Now, some of you who come from a Catholic background at this point are having apoplexy. You're kind of thinking, what? I thought I'd been set free from all that stuff. But you know, we get the privilege of helping one another find freedom in Christ as we confess together humbly before God. James 5, 16 is a kind of uncomfortable verse, but it's a great verse. It says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Wow. Now, some of us, you, you're thinking, gosh, that's a real big step for me. I couldn't go there. Well, look, let me tell you, there's no pressure here with this at all, but it's an invitation, it's a privilege for us to, to walk the walk with other Christians who are humbly recognising that we all need to confess and it's a strength to be able to confess together. I know some of you right now are battling with issues in your life. You've prayed it into, into the kingdom, you've prayed it before God and yet you're still battling with the same thing. 
And sometimes God's grace to us is that we get to walk with somebody else who will be helping us keep accountable, keep in the right place before God. I think that's amazing. I better move on because time is rapidly running out. I want to get on to the second point now. Second point is, as we forgive those who sin against us, the first one is forgive us our sins. We just talked about that. Second point, as we forgive those who sin against us. Just when you thought that it was done with forgiveness, Jesus then pushes it further. As we forgive those who sin against us. And I don't know about you, but at that point, we might have a little bit of a protest. That is not fair. They started it. They're to blame. I'm the victim here. But you see, to follow Jesus is to be like Jesus. And on the cross, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Every time you see that, every time you hear that, it cuts to the heart. He teaches us that now, in him, we lose the right to be offended. Yeah, did you get that? Did you hear that? We lose the right to be offended. I don't know how many times I read in different places, I am offended by that. Have you you seen that? But in Christ, we now lose the right to be offended, but we gain the privilege of being reconcilers and healers. I want to kind of almost finish with this, really. I want to tell you this story about one little girl. True story. Her name was and is Ruby Bridges. And she was the first black girl to attend an all-white elementary school in New Orleans in Louisiana. In 1960, at six years old, she had to be escorted by federal marshals to and from the school that she had chosen to go to to protect her from the hatred and the violent threats of a mob, of a crowd, that every day were baying for her blood. And having braved the crowd's hatred with those marshals marshals alongside, Ruby would then sit alone in an empty classroom to be taught by the only teacher in the school that was willing to teach her because she was a black girl. And she would be taught on her own, and then the rest of the day she'd have to wander around. Nobody there with her, apart from those marshals. And seeing this unfolded, because it was also in the news, as you can imagine, there was a child psychologist by the name of Robert Coles, who was so moved by her plight that he offered to help free of charge to support her and the family, because she's a six-year-old girl, for heaven's sake. And as he met with her and her family, on one occasion, he said, I saw you on the news today, and it looked like you were talking to the people on the street on your way to school. Did you finally get angry with them and tell them to leave you alone? And she said, no, no, doctor, I didn't tell them anything. I didn't talk to them. Then who were you talking to? I was talking to God. I was praying for the people on the street. Six-year-old girl. What? Why were you praying for them, said Robert. (laughs) I love it. Don't you think they need praying for? 
What do you pray? He said, I pray the same thing every day. Please, God, forgive these people, even if they say these mean things. They don't know what they're doing. Six-year-old girl. But she'd been taught by a family who loved Jesus the way of forgiveness. And you know what? That girl, by that simple act, paved the way for many others to come through. Yeah, we know it's not all over, is it? It's not all over. We know there's still much in the whole area of segregation and things that, all the barriers that have to be broken down. But you know what? <laughs> there's a story of her standing with Barack Obama just after he'd been um, appointed as the first president, African-American president. They're standing before a, a, a painting of the very event of Ruby Bridges going into the school. And Barack turns to Ruby and says, you guys had pretty tough, but if you hadn't done what you've done, I wouldn't be here today. One little girl who chose to forgive and push through, healed and changed and brought the kingdom. Now, it's a dramatic story, but you know, we can follow Ruby maybe in less dramatic ways. Whenever we are offended, are offended and hurt, we can, in Christ, choose to forgive. We can, this is a big one, I want you to hear me, we can remain silent on social media, which is quite an art these days. When our views are attacked, we can choose not to defend. We can deny ourselves the almost justifiable sympathy of victimhood. I don't know whether I'm just the only one that's hearing this. There are so many victims around. Yeah, I, look, I'm not, please, I'm not decrying the fact that there are people who are victimised. But we don't need to gain that identity. We can love and pray for those who would otherwise be enemies or objects of our hatred or revenge. How? The cross. The cross. We come to Jesus, we come through the cross. And you know, I had to live this out. Many of us have this year. There are probably people in our lives today who have hurt us deeply. And the thought of forgiving them may well be very painful. But until we choose to forgive, they will have a hold on our heart and life. And holding unforgiveness in us, as I've said this many times before, is like drinking deadly poison and thinking the other person is going to drop down dead when all the time it's killing us. Because that's what unforgiveness does. Let me say something, because I, I think sometimes people think it's, it's just kind of cheap. No, it isn't. Forgiving is not naive. It's not forgetting. You know, sometimes people say, forgive and forget. No, look, only God can do that. We, we don't always get the, the luxury of forgetting. Or indeed, neither is it saying it was okay what happened to us, because it isn't most of the time. It doesn't also mean leaving ourselves exposed to future attacks or torments. doesn't mean that either. What it may involve sometimes is us talking to a, a trusted Christian friend 
maybe even getting some counselling. Even if it's that serious, talking to the police. But ultimately, it is choosing to love and let go, not to hate and hold on. Did you hear that, church? Because that is so important. It usually is a process. And it's usually a choice that we have to make every day to forgive again and again. But you know, as we keep doing it, freedom comes. It comes in abundance. As Jesus said, not seven times, but 70 times seven, or basically what he's saying is always. Enough said, as they say. Let's stand. If you're at home, I want to invite you to stand. If you're outside, you're also welcome to stand, if you'd like to. I just want to have some moments where we get to respond to this, this whole invitation to confess our sin and to forgive those who sin against us. And I I, I just felt as I was preparing this morning that the first thing I need to do is to declare over some of you that when the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. Some of you are carrying shame and guilt that is almost holding you into this pit of despair. And I just feel in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit would want to release you as you come to the cross right now and just say, Lord, I, I, I don't want to live in my shame anymore because you have set me free. The Son has set you free. You're free indeed. And I just pray that over some of you right now, I know that you're in that place. Some of you know that you haven't come to Jesus properly before. You know you haven't yet. Put your hand into his hand and let him save you. That once and for all thing that we were talking about at the beginning. If that's you, this is a moment for you to say, Jesus, I confess that I have sinned against you, that I have lived my life differently and away from you, but I want to come close to you now. I want the cross and the resurrection to make me alive. And you know, you can ask him. This is a moment for you to be born again, to be saved, to know the peace Blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven. You can know that right now. You can know that right now. Just let us know if you're online. We, we want to pray with you. There's a moment where you can pray with someone and we'll lead you through that. Some of us, it's more the second end, isn't it? There's people that we're struggling with. There's issues that we're battling with. I just want us to... Have a moment where we let the Holy Spirit right now into that. Holy Spirit, come in. Come in right now. Come in. Let the hurt go. We choose not to be victims, even though we were victimized. We choose not to be offended even though there was offence caused against, towards us. We just say to you right now, help us to release forgiveness in your name into those places where we're hurting. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Maybe if you're online and you would like someone to pray with you, just request prayer and we will make sure that someone is there to help you. Because some of this you can't do on your own. But thank you so much for listening this morning. We're going to finish with some songs, just a couple of songs as we go on our way. But bless you and thanks for watching today.